to be intimate with us. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who made that possible. That after that Shekinah glory, Father, that we become <clears throat> temples of the living God. And that the Holy Spirit is here to teach us, to, to train us, to guide us, to fill us. And that each one of us walk into this room today with concern to our heart. And we come here to hang out with you that as you touch us and fill us and, and we go back into our week, Father, we want to be just like you. And so, Father, we thank you this morning that you want to do business with us. And you want to give us your glory. You want to give us your kingdom. And we're here today to experience that kingdom. And so we need you, Lord. We need you to open up our eyes to see your kingdom. We need you to open up our hearts to receive your kingdom. And we need you to give us the power to walk in your kingdom. So once again, we thank you. And we ask that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is so good to have you here this morning on first Sunday after what you would call a spring break week and after snows and all of that good stuff. It's just so good to have you. And if you've not been with us for a few weeks or what, we've been traveling through the book of Ephesians and we're in the, we're in the third chapter. And in that third chapter, we are coming to the middle of it right before Paul begins to pray. And in that third chapter, Paul talks to us about us, the church, being a mystery of which he is a steward of. And I have a question that I need to ask you this morning. And a question might be, what does it feel like to take a hit for somebody else? What does it feel like when you're burdened for somebody else? And the title of this message today is called The Other's Glory. When you do something for somebody else, when you serve for somebody else, and in the middle of all of that, you begin to take hits. I want to read this to you because I believe God wants to minister to you in that. If you're feeling pain because of another, I want you to understand that that pain comes from principles by which God wants to teach you. And when you stop in chapter 3, verse 13, you can't move any further because Paul makes a statement about on their behalf, on your behalf. How many times have you done things on behalf of another? But what about the other receiving glory because of your sacrifice? See, you live in a generation where we have moved from we to me. 
And God is trying to move us back from me to you. When you do something for the sake of somebody else. So in the third chapter of the book of Ephesians, it reads like this. And in verse 13, he says this. He says, therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulation on behalf, on your behalf, for they are your glory. Now I'll read this again. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulation on your behalf, for they, the tribulation, are your glory. I can remember as a young man playing for a particular sports team, and while I was in there involved in a certain play, a, a young man scored a touchdown, and I immediately headed to the bench and did not know that when they were reviewing the film the following Sunday night, uh, that they had trapped me uh, moving from the pile to the sideline. And I didn't think it was a big deal. But they said out loud in front of everybody, Square, how come you are not in that huddle congratulating that man for scoring that touchdown? It looked pretty selfish. It looked like I didn't care. It looked like I wasn't able to somehow joy in another's success. And sometimes it's hard for us to joy in somebody else's success when our own success is not out there. It's kind of hard sometimes. I remember that moment. <clears throat> You know, John says something in the third chapter of the Gospel of John, and he said, look, that he might increase, that I might decrease. Now, there's something about that statement that is pretty powerful that I think has left the Christian faith today. See, John was saying, I began to decrease so that when this guy comes on the scene, I become little and less and little and less. That somehow... God is saying to us through John, as Paul writes 3.13, that we should become less and less and less so that somebody else might get glory. Now, I want you to know in leadership, man, that's hard. That's hard when you pour years and years of time into people and all of a sudden uh, you become so uh, much uh, 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 what you would call a non-factor and then you take on the pain and you begin to take on hits for the sake of somebody else's glory. Why? Because you want to defend their honor. You want to make sure that they remain dignified. You want to make sure that they remain magnified. But what you get is all the crap. You get all the hits. See, Paul is writing something today about Christians and how we are to live. That's an aspect of the Christian world that we have uh, ran from. So that somebody else might get to Shekinah. Not us. Paul writes this in that 13th verse in the third chapter. Now, before we go back and dig into that chapter, I want to ask you a question. Is there somebody that you're burdened for? Is there something that has happened in your life and all of a sudden that person has become the enemy? You're not. Has something happened to you that somehow you're off in the back corner now? And this person is receiving all the attention. There's something about the Christian life that you're going to have to stomach that. There's something about us being a place where people can stand on our shoulders. There's something about that part where you don't get the glory anymore. There's something about sacrificing 
so that somebody else might be dignified. You don't find that in the church anymore. You don't find that kind of attitude in the church anymore. And it would have been good for me to take the 13th verse and then go right into the prayer that Paul prayed for this Gentile people. But when it got to the 13th verse, I had to pause because I'm saying, wait a minute. He made, he's making a statement out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he says, look, man, there's something I want you to do. There's something I want you to understand. I don't want you reacting because of what I go through. And so I'm here to encourage you today. I'm here to encourage you. Are you willing to take the hit for somebody else? You don't see the glory in that. You don't see the victory in that. But let me tell you something, man. There's something powerful about that. There's something unique about that when you take that place. There's something unique about that that says, no, I'm going to start this race with you, but I'm going to make sure you beat me to the finish line. There's something about that that's strange about believers. Because if John can say that this is my cousin, but I want y'all to understand something, man, that he must increase and I must decrease. So I want to encourage you this morning that this message is for you because God is saying, I've heard you pray. God is saying, I know you've been praying for that person. God is saying, I understand pain. But look here, you got to stay in the back so I can do my work. Church, are you hearing me all? Amen. You got to stay back there because I got to work on this. I need you out of the way. <clears throat> I, 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 I don't need you to run interference for me. As a matter of fact, you're in the way. Get out of there. <laughs> you got to take the heat. The glory for others, or in other words, the others' glory. See, there's a series of scriptures that I'm getting ready to run you through, but I'm not going to run you through them one by one. As a matter of fact, they're going to show up in these verses, and you'll see them. They'll pop up on the screen. I don't have the clicker, so Alex, you got to stay with your brother this morning. <laughs> And so when you see this, the other's glory, when you see what's next, that I must decrease, that they must increase, because what John was given was a formula, and that Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing it in the third chapter, the 13th verse. See, John says, I must do this towards Jesus. Jesus then said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So John did this to Jesus. Jesus did this to us. Now it's time for us to do it for somebody else. So you're with me at all. Yeah, man. That's how it works. On behalf of another. You mean I got to take that one? You mean I got to take that hit on behalf of somebody else? Now that this verse just stops right there in verse 13. And Paul gets into it, and he begins to say, therefore. Now, the therefore in verse 13 is a prepositional statement or a prepositional word that hooks two phrases or two causes or two paragraphs together. 
Because he's saying all the things that I have done from verse 1 to verse 12 is this. Man, I want you to understand something. I'm a steward, and I'm a steward of a mystery. And that mystery is that God reveals something to me that we were going to become a family, the Jews and the Gentiles. And that was an administration that was going to come. And that administration, when it comes, is going to be a manifold wisdom. And that wisdom is going to say through the church to the invisible and the visible world that God is king. Guess what? I am a steward of that. Now look here. As a steward, you need to understand something. Because as a steward, ladies and gentlemen, here's the statement that I'm going to be making to you for the rest of these messages. It is that your stewardship will take on stumbling blocks. If you are a good steward of what God has put in your care, you're going to have to take on stumbling blocks. And your stewardship will take on stumbling blocks that will sustain, watch this, the Shekinah glory for somebody else. Your stewardship. And Paul is saying, I have a stewardship. I have a mystery. And I'm taking on these stumbling blocks for you Gentiles for the sake of you receiving glory from God. And then Paul says, I've got to tell you something, because when he looks here, uh, and he says, I ask you not. See, he says, now, I, I come to appeal to you, Gentiles, and I want to make a request to you. See, the Holy Spirit is coming to you and saying, I've got to make a request to you. I've got to ask you to do something. I've got to ask you to do something that is uncommon to mankind. I've got to ask you to do something that's uncomfortable. I want you to do this. Because you're a steward. Because I have placed something in your care. Because I want the manifest wisdom of God to shine through you. But I got to ask you something. And I want you to stop. I want you to look. And I want you to listen. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to Paul. And Paul is saying this to the Gentiles. These are not Jews that he is talking to. He says, I want you to stop. Because I want you to do something different, and I want you to go in a different direction. Not only that, I want you to look, because I want you to check out your response. And the third thing I want you to do is I want you to listen, because I want to show you the difference between the natural and the supernatural response. Now, he's talking to the Gentiles. He's saying, you see my condition. You see the situation that I'm in. Sometimes people look at you and they feel sorry for you. And I tell people, don't you feel sorry for Jesus Christ. She's going to be okay. Don't you feel sorry for me. I'm going to be okay. But I want your response when you look at me to be different. So this is Paul talking to the Gentile to say, don't you look at what I'm going through and have the wrong response. Don't you have a natural response. I want you to have a supernatural response. Because I want you to look at my condition the right way. Ladies and gentlemen, if you look at Matthew 6, 33, you'll see it on the screen here. Jesus saved something. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, God, God is telling me in my own walk through the power of the Holy Spirit to be like Jesus. And what he's saying is, when you see something, you've got to respond like Jesus responds, not how you respond. It's number one, first response. What's your first response? 
when you see people struggling? What's your first response when you see somebody getting beat up? Now let me ask you a personal question. What's your first response when you get hit in the gut? My first response is to throw that left hook. It's just a natural reaction. <laughs> you know, the whole virus, the whole pile of them, I just thought doing that. That's going to hit somebody. The first response is a principle. When you take hits on other people's land, first response is to seek his kingdom first. God, I just got hit. What was that? <laughs> I just got slapped in the face. What was that all about? So when you see on somebody else's behalf so that they may get the glory and you take second place, your first response is not your own. The first response is how Jesus will respond. And this is what Paul is telling the disciples. Don't you look at what I'm going through and respond like the natural. Look at what I'm doing, and you respond to the kingdom. That's principle number one, because I'll deal with you later. The second thing he said here is that therefore I ask you not to what? Not to what? Lose heart. Now there's something about losing heart, ladies and gentlemen, when things hit us. There's something sometimes when things hit us on behalf of somebody else that we lose momentum. I mean, our, our, our day could be going great, and all of a sudden the phone rang. Our, our day could be going great, and all of a sudden the wind gets knocked out of you. And the first thing you want to do, instead of going back to number one, seeking the kingdom, number two happens to you, you lose heart. I wonder how many times uh, Abraham Lincoln lost heart when he ran for office 13 times before he became president. One of the most famous men that ever lived. Thirteen times lost. Losing heart. Losing heart is easy. It's easy. What does it mean by losing heart? It means basically something happens to you and you disclose your heart because of a lack of confidence. You somehow uh, faint and you become weary and you lose courage. Now, Here's the second part of this. Look at, at, at Galatians 6, uh, verses uh, 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 6 and 10. I, I, I want to read this to you, and I want to slow down somewhere, okay? And it says, the one who is taught the word, that's us, is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. And then it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will reap. And sometime in the middle of taking hits on behalf of certain people, we need to understand that everybody's going to get theirs. Everybody. God, why is he getting away with that? God, why is she getting? Hey, everybody is going to get theirs. <laughs> mm. Because what they reap, they're going to sow. Your job is to keep serving. Your job is to keep sharing good things. Your job is to stay in the background and do your work. See, are you hearing me all? Yeah, man. Because guess what? You're going to get what you deserve, too. <clears throat> now watch this as we continue to read. Verse 8. It says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh be corrupted, but the one who sows to the Spirit 
will from the Spirit bring eternal life. For let us not lose heart. Watch this. And doing good. Doing good means that I'm not wishing for revenge. Doing good means I'm not wishing that they get their butt whooped. Doing good is that I want the best for them. That's what doing good is. And even though I'm in the backseat, even though I'm in the background taking all these hits and doing this on behalf of somebody else, God is saying, Johnny, don't grow weary in doing good. Why? Because if the first response, Heavenly Father, I mean people, is the kingdom response, then the second thing is, is that God says when you do good, I'm going to revive you. I'm going to revive you from that notion that you want revenge on that person. I'm going to revive you from that notion because you're taking hits so that they can be dignified. I'm not talking about self-martyrdom here, but I'm talking about the fact that you are doing what you're doing on behalf of somebody else's glory. So, look at verse 10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. And especially those who are the household of faith. And let me tell you something. The people that hurt you the most are not the non-believers. The people that pain you the most are not the ones that know you, that don't know you. They're not. Mm. It's the ones that are close to you. Those are the ones that hurt you. And it's painful. Instead of us sticking in the air, guess what we do in the Christian faith? We run. We go hide somewhere else. We go stick our nose somewhere else. We don't stand and fight. We don't want to reconcile. We don't want to get it right. We just go to another flock and sit down until mess happened there. <laughs> and it starts all over again. Why? Because everybody's going to reap what they saw. You can't go to another congregation and think it's going to be all right. It won't happen that way. Are y'all hearing that all? Yeah, man. I wonder, why, I wonder why verse 13 was even in there. I wonder, how come you didn't just go to the prayer, buddy? And for verse 14. No, but therefore, Gentiles, I got to ask you something. I got to ask you not to lose heart. So the second thing after the first response is to get revived by the first response. Tribulation. Now the word tribulation means pressure, or affliction, anguish, burden. Now uh, I, on my, uh, on our way out to, to Vegas last week, uh, we, we we flew right into the storm that was going to hit Fort Collins. And let me tell you something, man. That plane was freaking. And you can tell on that plane who have any kind of faith. Man, that, that, that thing is rocking. Okay. I remember one time a preacher told me that he was on a plane flight and it was so rough, man, folks were just getting nervous and scared. And they asked him, do something. You know what he did? He took up an offering. <laughs> he took up an offering, man. He said, yeah, I, I, I got the attention now. 
tell you something about turbulence. Paul is saying, when you see turbulence in my life, don't feel sorry for me. Because turbulence is nothing more than when a plane is experiencing turbulence. The nose of that plane is trying to turn its nose into the wind. It has been engineered that way. And the pilot's desire and responsibility is to keep that plane on course. And when there is a headwind, when there is a tailwind, when there is a sidewind, that plane is always going to see the way, where that wind is. And it's going to try to turn right into it. And all the pilots do is trying to hold that and make your ride as comfortable as it can. That's why turbulence happens. Sometimes being number two or being behind the scene means that you've got to get used the turbulence. You think you're having turbulence while the other person is kind of coasting at 35,000 feet. But let me say this to you, ladies and gentlemen. If your first response is the kingdom, your second response is going to be revival. But your third fruit Bless you. He says, look, 
He said that the testing of your faith produces something. It produces endurance. And watch this, John. And let endurance have its perfect way and results. So that you may be perfect. Watch this. Complete. Watch. Lacking nothing. Look at that. Three prong fruit. Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And so what is he saying then? If the first response is from the kingdom, the second one is revival, and the third one is reliance. And then he says this, if you go back to verse 13. He says, turbulence on your behalf. Now look here, when you do something on the interest of another, you want to advance or benefit the group or that person. You want to share an involvement, and you want to undertake what they're going through to the point where you represent them. You take on some of their pain. You take on some of their burden. Now, if you go back to Galatians and look at the first five verses, and look what it says, watch this. First five verses of Galatians. You need to keep, keep hitting it. Hit it again. All right, again, again, again. There it is. Here, here, here. Furthermore, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. And then it says, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Let's go to verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. I'm going to pray for a young man in here today that's going off to do some military stuff before we leave. I came from a family of seven boys and three girls. There's only two of us, two boys, that didn't go to war. Okay? And when these people go out and risk their lives in service, they're bearing a burden. They're saying, I care about America. say something that was phrased on a few good men in that movie. I only watched two movies, Tombstones and A Few Good Men, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I may watch The Man from Snowy River every now and then. But they say, while I am on that wall, nothing is going to hurt you. Think about that. When you say that, you're saying, I'm willing to stand on that wall so that the person on behalf by which I am protecting will get the glory. And these service people go out to do that for America. Paul is writing here, bear one another's burden. He doesn't say, take your cross from you. He says, I'm going to take my cross, and I'm going to take your cross, and we're going to take our crosses, we're going to balance them up under so that the crosses are on top of us and your weight is not as heavy if you were carrying that cross by yourself. That means we're going to do it together. So when you, on behalf of somebody else, take on the burden so that they may be glorified, so that they may be magnified, so that they may be dignified, you bear that burden. And it says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, verse 4. And then he says, but each one must examine.
examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own loves. Why in the world did verse 13 show up like that? Because if you're dealing with response, if you're dealing with revival, if you're dealing with reliance, now you're dealing with restoration. I want to see that person See, I'm going to take on that burden so that my daughter or my son or my brother-in-law or my country or my mom or my dad or my employee or my employer or this church may be restored. <laughs> that art is lost in the Christian faith today. Revival. And then here's the last thing as we bring this in. Because I want to show you something that you need to hear today. Because he says on your behalf, because he said for they, tribulation. See, I don't know in Isaiah 53, 5 and 10, you don't have to turn there and walk up on the screen. That, that, that there is something that baffles me about the Father and his love for his son. I've got one son in the physical. I've got many sons in the spiritual. I don't know if I would do this for my spiritual son for your sake. I don't have that in me. God said in Isaiah 53, 5 and verse 10, it said that he, it pleased him to bring He says, man, it was, he, he, he was scourged. He was bruised for our iniquities. So, so Jesus is over here doing all of this for us. And then Paul is saying, wait a minute. If Jesus did it for us, how come I can't do it for you? in the place that this church may be glorified? How come I can't put myself in a place where my friend may be glorified or a disciple may be glorified or that somebody else may receive Shekinah glory? Man, that's an art that is lost. Where is it? Because here's the last thing. The last thing. Because I got to Predetermined before you were even born, before you were even a thought in God's mind. He 
also called, he justifies it. That means he brought Christ into the picture. And the word justification means just as if you have not sinned. But here's the last one. And these whom he justified, he also his Shekinah all over you. The word glory means to magnify. You women do it every day. It's, it's an expression. It's an extension. Glorification. So if there is a first response that leads tribulation that you're going through on behalf of somebody else is worth it. All God is saying, <coughs> let your first response be mine. I will revive you. I will give you reliance. I will restore you. I will rebuild you. And I will reward you. <coughs> just, just one little verse.
today we're packing up the U-Haul, driving down to Fort Rucker, Alabama to attend uh, flight school for the Colorado Army National Guard. Um, it'll be about a 15 to 18 month process um, and then we will be, we'll be back in Colorado after that. So it's um, just a change, definitely a change in the season for us right now. Um, expecting a lot of growth um, as a couple and individually. Um, we're just really excited for this time. And they are being covered by us. You don't go alone. And we will be thinking about you guys. Are you going together? Are you going to be in the cockpit too? Or are you just supporting them? trying to get rid of some of these people and they bring the kids to us, you know. <laughs> so just 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 join me in prayer. Just extend your hand. I just I just I just want both of you to know that we love you guys. We really do.
prayer for you is that you will leave here today no more being concerned about suffering on behalf of somebody else. Don't be concerned about that ever again. But in that, God will tell you this is your first response. If you respond according to the kingdom, you will also be revived. And in your reviving, you will be able to rely on me. And in your reliance, I will restore you and I will build you. And then, you will see a reward from that person who will come back to God. That person will come and be glorified in God. So Father, we ask that you would take this offering today you always have, and use it for your kingdom. Use it to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in this city and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hold on to the blessing that comes with that. Hold on to it. Because you will see a reward. You'll see it. Because if God is restoring and rebuilding that person, he's also restoring and building you. He really is. Continue to intercede. Continue to stay on your knees. And so I send you out of here today with that on your heart.
looking for a son or for a daughter, or even a son-in-law. If you have a burden for a person, at least look at the kingdom first, and then let God have the rest. So I'm asking you to be excited about your tribulation. I'm asking you to hold on to that burden until you birth this child. Don't give up. Because somebody did not give up on you. And as you leave this place today, bring it on and do something on behalf of somebody else's glory. Watch this. Because somebody right now Doing something on behalf of you. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said.